Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. The Red Sox of late have basically been the Von Trapp children going up and down the stairs in Sound of Music. Up one stair, down another. Up two stairs, down two stairs. Maybe now all that will stop and the games that should be won actually will be won. There was a nice clean 5-1 victory against the A's at Fenway Tuesday night. And Rick Porcello, you're my boy. That's some Cy Young form right there. Look at you with your eight shutout innings, your two hits allowed, and your eight strikeouts achieved, and your fine, fine self. But this wouldn't be Sox Daily if we didn't ratchet up the angst at least a little. We'll give you what to feel good about and what to still be worried about right about now. It's your Daily Sox Podcast. It's your Daily Sox Podcast. It's where you're going to find out what the Sox are doing. Sox 5, Oakland 1, a modest little two-game win streak. How you feeling? You good? Do you smell a little lavender scent now? Do you hear the Japanese music tinkling in the background? Actually, you probably hear a plane flying overhead right now. It's a long story, but I'm actually recording this podcast from right outside an airport hotel. They have no conference rooms. They won't let me use an office, and I'm standing in a parking lot. But I do feel better about everything. The Sox now back to within four games of 500. Finally pulling free of dreadful Baltimore. We'll get to the Tuesday result shortly, I promise. But I'm going to step inside here, and we'll go big picture first. So into this week, if you had to rate your level of angst about the hitting and about the pitching, you could make the argument that the bats are the more worrisome item than the arms. The Sox ranking 21st in Team OPS just a year after leading the majors. They've scored two runs or less than that. Eight times. They entered Tuesday 12 and 17. That's a year after being in the World Series, of course. But you know who else just did that just last year? The Dodgers just did that. Chad Jennings of The Athletic. Great piece from him pointing that exact fact out. And I think it's instructive, if not relieving, to remember that. The 2018 Dodgers were brutal through the middle of May. They were worse than the Red Sox at various points. And then suddenly they couldn't lose. They went uh, a month without back-to-back losses. They played 31 games over 500 the rest of the way. They traded for Manny Machado in mid-July. They were already in first place by then. There are parallels to be drawn between the Dodgers' slow start a year ago and the Red Sox start this year. Item number one, needing to get a key player back to form. For the Dodgers, it was Justin Turner. He had a fractured wrist at the beginning of 18. He missed the first month and a half. Once he got rolling, he had a 924 OPS, best on the team. The star player that the Red Sox are missing is a pitcher. That's Chris Sale. If he returns to form, that would obviously be a huge help. Item number two, as we make this comparison, riding the wave of a guy who's come from out of nowhere. For the Dodgers, that was Max Muncy. Minor league veteran called up April 17th, made his Dodgers debut about uh, 16 games in, one for one as a pinch hitter, and he became an everyday guy. 
Well, the 2019 Red Sox have basically the perfect comparison. Doesn't have the same out-of-nowhere backstory, but Michael Chavis called up April 19th, made his debut in the 21st game of the season, one for one as a pinch hitter, and he's become an everyday guy, kind of moving all around the diamond just like Muncie. So I'm just putting it out there, like Ron Burgundy did at the pool party to Veronica Corningstone. If you don't like it, send it back. But if it's good enough for last year's Dodgers, maybe it's good enough for this year's Red Sox too. Now, before we get to the game recap from Tuesday, going to try something slightly different on the podcast today. Nine players about which I've got something to say. If you don't like it, send it back. But I'm going to empty my head about nine players involved in this Red Sox-Oakland series, eight Sox, one athletic, in alphabetical order. Betts. Mookie Betts is playing like an all-star again, and the Red Sox needed that to happen. Your best players need to play like your best players. We hear that all the time this time of year in the NBA playoffs, right? Lillard did it for Portland, and the Blazers advanced. Westbrook did not do it for Oklahoma City, and the Thunder went home. For the Red Sox, no player on this roster more important over the long term than Mookie Betts, who into the game Tuesday night had reached base 25 out of 46 played appearances, and then Homer the first time he got up on Tuesday night. But Mookie had had a 676 OPS for the year just 12 days ago, and now he is driving the ball. He looks great. Next guy to look at is JBJ, looking for his first three-game hitting streak all year. Three years ago around this time, he had a 29-game hitting streak, one of the longest in Red Sox history. And it's kind of like this J.D. Drew summer of 2007 thing where he's just taking a lot of pitches, a lot of strikes. All right, next guy, Michael Chavis. In nine games since being promoted, eight runs batted in, OPS of close to 1,100. And at a time when the Red Sox lineup had been a little bit top-heavy, you get this presence now, kind of in the middle of the order, six spot, seven spot, that area has just helped lengthen the lineup. So now you've got punch not just right at the top. And... He's hitting the ball up the middle. He's going to the opposite field. But I, here's the rub. Very soon, the Red Sox might have as many as three infielders on rehab assignments and ready to come back. Nunez already with Pawtucket. Pedroia set to join Portland. Brock Holt in a little bit of limbo here, but he's hopefully pretty close too. At some point, all of those players will be ready to come back to Boston. Then you got a logjam. Zuway Lin is the easy call. He can be optioned right out. You can get rid of an extra pitcher if you want to. The Sox are carrying 13 right now, one more than you'd really like to. But after that, it gets a little bit more complicated. Somebody else has got to go somewhere. But one thing is already clear. When the musical chairs come to a a halt here, when the music stops, Michael Chavis has to have a chair. Because in a little more than a week and a half, he has absolutely demonstrated that, that he belongs. Next guy to talk about, Rafi Devers. And Fangraph's defensive runs above average is kind of the catch-all metric that accounts for every defensive factor you can think of. They've got Rafi at a minus 1.6, which is basically right with Yoan Moncada. And it's better than Ryan Healy. That's the worst at minus 2.4. Devers is working on it. He was on the field with Carlos Fables and Ramon Vazquez. They're kind of the liaisons to, uh, to work with infielders here. Uh, those two guys, Fabulous and Vasquez, played about 1,200 games combined as big league infielders, so at least they can share some, some tips, some blues clues for Rafi Devers to finally get it right. Next guy, I won't spend a lot of time on this, but Mitch Moreland entered the game Tuesday night over for his last 16. Big start, soggy end 
of April for Mitch. Which brings us to Steve Pierce, whose 295 OPS is fifth lowest in baseball among players with at least 40 trips to the plate. Two of the players below Pierce were just sent to the minors. Another is on the injured list. And as Pierce recently said, baseball is pointing at me and laughing right now. Alex Cora says he's just off mechanically, his hands, his feet, everything. And it's just not been fun, obviously. Staggeringly bad batting average, 103 going into the game Tuesday night. One extra base hit, 17 strikeouts in 39 at-bats. But I'll end now on a bit of a high note here from the Red Sox perspective. Brandon Workman, on the one hand, he's almost impossible to hit. That's what I'm kind of keying in on here. He's given up two hits all year in 12 and two-thirds innings. But... He's starting to walk some guys. In fact, it was two in the game on Monday night, 12 of those now in 12 and two-thirds innings. So you don't have to paint, but you got to at least hit the canvas. That's all we're saying with Brandon Workman. Last guy to talk about, and that's an Oakland A's player. That's Ramon Laureano, who reminds us of some of the best Red Sox outfield-throwing arms of all time. Dwight Evans, probably the gold standard, right? Reggie Smith, in terms of pure arm strength, right up there. Jackie Bradley, who's sometimes off target, but... A very powerful arm. Got to put Yaz on that list. Andre Dawson, Mark Witten. Name your favorite Red Sox cannon, and Loriano might be right up there. So there you go. Thoughts I had on nine different players heading into action Tuesday night. And now, we need that sound effect from Current Affair. Fwum. And now the actual game itself. 5-1 final. So in their last 15 games, Red Sox starting pitchers have a pie ERA, 3.14. Porcello, wow, in with an ERA in the mid-sevens. He goes out with it down in the mid-fives. He becomes the first Red Sox starter to pitch into the eighth inning this year. It was his longest outing since his complete game one hitter against the Yankees August 3rd of a year ago. His last scoreless start of eight innings was actually a nine-inning complete game. That was at Tampa Bay as a Tiger back in 2014. And the last guy with eight scoreless, two or fewer hits allowed at Fenway for the Red Sox you got to go back to Rich Hill, yeah, in September of 2015. Rick Porcello sounded so relieved when he met with the media after yeah, the game. Yeah, it was nice, uh, you know, clinch a series win against these guys. thought uh, swung the bats really well off good. It's pretty tough, good sinker. And uh, Mitch, Mookie, those guys, they got it going. And um, we had a good ball game. You know, Sandy and I were on the same page. Pitches were working, and it went well. Is that the best you felt on the mound? Yeah, I, I, I don't think there's any shock to that one. I haven't uh, pitched the way I've wanted to up to this point, so it was nice to, to get that one rolling, and let's keep building off of it. Command, making better pitches, attacking hitters. Um, you know, that, that, that's first and foremost, setting the tone that way. But, uh, again, you know, it was a total team effort. We swung the bats well. We played great defense. I thought it was all around a, a great game for us. <clears throat> Did you know you wanted to throw the slider a lot coming into this, or is that something you felt as the uh, outing went on? No, it's just how the game plays out. Uh, go out there and try and establish our game plan, and then, you know, take whatever direction it's going to go. We uh, we liked that pitch tonight. I was throwing it well. We were getting good results, so we stuck with it a lot. Rick, the only real jam you had was the third. Once you got out of that, how did you feel about your tempo, your rhythm going forward with that? Yeah, I thought it was good. I mean, like I said, Sandy called a great game. It was easy for me to be on the same page with him, and, and I thought we worked quick, which uh, is good. Definitely for, for our guys to get back in the dugout and get things going offensively, try and work as quick as possible. So it, it definitely went well tonight as far as the tempo is concerned. 
start to the season didn't go the way you wanted. How did you sort of keep your head about you and not get too worked up? I mean, it's not the first time I've been roughed up before. It won't be the last. Um, you, know, you gotta be professional about it and have some. You know, you gotta have that con- that inner confidence that you're gonna find your stuff. And you know, we've been working hard at it. We've been throwing. I mean, the one week I threw a bullpen every day in between starts. We're doing whatever we can to get it on track, and uh, you know, it's starting to come around. So I think everyone's throwing the ball a lot better, and um, it's time to go for it. Great work from a great dude. Now, as for the bats, Mookie Bet stays hot two for four. That home run we mentioned in the first inning, he added a single in the seventh. He came around to score his 500th run in career game number 674. And from what we're told, the only Sox to get 500 runs within 700 career games, you had Ted Williams, no more. Johnny Pesky, and now Mookie. Only three active players have their 500 career runs in their first 700 career games. You got Pujols, you got Trout, you got Betts. Oh, hang on. Another plane going overhead. Did you enjoy that? Mitch Moreland, home run. It was a two-run shot in the bottom of the fourth, his team leading eighth of the year. 536 career slugging percentage against Oakland now. That is the fourth highest among active hitters. He's homeward once every 11 at-bats this year. Usually, he's good for one every 23 or 24. So this is a nice start for Mitch, even though we poo-pooed his outcome and output a little bit earlier in this podcast, I I admit. But it was nice to see one hit out of Mitch. Still just uh, one for his last 20. But, hey, home run tonight. That's good. Michael Chavis. Stays hot. Six for his last 12. Two hits in this game. He's reached base in nine of ten career games now. Even Sandy Leon had an RBI hit in this one. And 5-1 to one the final. Thornburg gave up a home run to Robbie Grossman in the ninth to ruin the shutout. But no matter. Still a very happy manager who talked to the media when everything was done. And here's what it sounded like. I mean, um, he did an outstanding job on his strike zone. Going in and out. Keeping them off balance. Great rhythm. Him and Sandy, they're going to him from from pitch one, and uh, he gave us something we needed. You know, uh, tomorrow we're going with Hector. Everybody's rested, so we're in a good position for tomorrow. Really relying on the slider tonight. Was that a game plan going in, or is that something that he and Sandy just going to feel for? Um, they prepare. They talk about it. They they look at film, a video, and they come up with the game plan. He had a good fastball too today. Good feel for the slider. Uh, I don't think we threw too many change-ups, obviously, with the righties. But uh, he did a good job going in and out as a strike zone. And, and, you know, got him off balance, was able to put him away. And, um, and it was a good one. When he got off to the kind of difficult start that he did, how much confidence did you have that, you know, virtue of who he is? I mean, I, I got confidence in all of them. Um, it was just a bad start for everybody. I mean... People can point out a sprint training or whatever. I don't think that's the thing, you know. Um, Judge has in over 162 games to see what happens. And um, they just struggle early. Now they find their rhythm, and we'll see where it takes us. Along those lines, like as you've seen the, uh, as you've seen the rotation, and, and, you know, do you feel like you're starting to see the rotation in the lineup both kind of sinking up a little bit? Uh, just another game, you know. We play good today. We move on. See how it goes. What are you seeing from Bookie right now? Um, you know, he made some adjustments. He's been in the cage working hard. Um, you know, he's staying in the zone and putting good swings on it. Um, you know, hitting the ball out of the ballpark straight center. 
that's a perfect swing right there, and he's always looking for that. But um, you know, he he got into some bad habits uh, after the Seattle series, and he kept working. He didn't stop working. You know, he's a guy that, uh, regardless if he was hitting 380 or 180, um, he's gonna put the work, and uh, you know, you can see the results. You said last night that he had to put more focus on just competing at the box and maybe less on thinking about his mechanics in there. Was he really that far off the whole time? Was, was it a small adjustment that he had? Um, I always felt it was one swing, and that swing, it was in Tampa. It got him there. Um, and we've been talking about a lot of stuff, cleaning stuff up, but at the end, um, I think you got to compete. And like I said yesterday, don't try to do too much. I think what we have in the clubhouse is pretty good. And just play your part. And if we do that, um, you know, good things are going to happen. How tough a play was that, uh, Xander? Which one? Uh, late one. There were two late ones. Just kidding. Yeah, to the right. Oh, to the right? Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, good reaction. Um, short hop, was able to stay with it. Um, the one in the hole too early in the game. That was a good one. Uh, he's been playing a lot. Uh, actually, he's going to have a big day off tomorrow. But, uh, you know, we've been, you know, where we at and... With injuries and all that, it's been tough to, to give guys off days, but uh, he he deserves one, and tomorrow he's, he, he's going to get his. Alex, you think of the pitcher that Rick was when he came up, the ground ball guy, to see a game like tonight with a bunch of strikeouts and pop-ups, what does that say about the way he's involved? I mean, you got to make adjustments. And, uh, you know, we talk about how to attack hitters and how they're attacking us, and, and it's the back and forth. And, and for him, like I've been saying all along, you know, he's so versatile. Like, he can use the fastball up in zone, and then he can go down and away, and, and he can use the slider and the curve and then the changeup. You know, that's, that's a good thing. Sometimes it works against us because there's a lot in the plate, you know, and, and we get cut in between what we're going to use. But, uh, you know, he, he's smart, you know, and, um, you know, he, he understands what he means to us, especially going deep into games, you know. That's something they, they, they take pride in. And, and when you... Are versatile like that, things like that happen. Today was was outstanding. All right, that's the skipper. And now the look ahead to the Wednesday game, day game. So hurry up and finish listening to the podcast here. Hector Velasquez for the Red Sox. You know, Alex Cora said throughout the winter that the Red Sox were very comfortable with their starting depth. And now that you've got Johnson hurt, you got Stephen Wright out with the PED suspension. You need this guy. You want this guy. And Velasquez was part of it last year when the Red Sox had to to dip into the also-rans to get some starts. It was Johnson. It was Velasquez. It was Wright. Jalen Beeks and William Cuevas also started last year, remember. Johnson and Wright unavailable. Beeks and Cuevas are out of the organization. So it's basically just down to Velasquez here. He's been much better as a reliever throughout his career. Was expected to play an important role in the bullpen but now he's got to start, and that's just how it's going to be. He's Nate Evaldi's replacement for now. It is a day game, so let's keep that in mind. And then it is off to the Chicago and Baltimore experience. Play the White Sox and the Orioles, two teams giving up a ton of home runs, especially the Orioles. So maybe the bats will continue to percolate, continue to uh, get back in the right direction. That's what you can help now as we talk about the Red Sox about to get out on the road. I'm about to get out. Got to get this podcast launched and get ready for some more baseball. Day baseball at Fenway. Sox Daily. Thanks so much for listening. This is Josh Lewin.
T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.